This is the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and in this episode, I joined Anthony Knockreiner on 600 AM KGEZ in Kalispell, Montana on Wednesday evening to talk about why the Seahawks should be interested in trading Forge Divion Clowney, about the latest game against the Los Angeles Chargers, and what to expect in some of the position battles ahead of the 53-man roster cuts this weekend. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the Field Goals podcast or share the show with a friend. Welcome back to the Knock On Sports and joining me in studio from the Seahawkers podcast and the Field Goals podcast, it's my good friend Brandon Schultz as we talk about the Seattle Seahawks week three preseason action and we're only a week away from the start of the regular season. Brandon, great to have you on the show once again, my friend. It's great to be here. Not just a week away from the start of the regular season, but a day away from preseason being over. Yeah, I'm kind of, you know, what's funny is, is I think a couple of weeks ago you talked about how I, I was just excited for preseason. Yeah. And then now I'm at the point, I'm like, God, I really, really wish this was over. Get it over. Get it over with. <laughs> it happens this way every year. That's why I, I understand the cycle because it's it's so much excitement around preseason. You want to see your guys out on the field. And then once you have a pretty good idea of who's going to be on the final 53, it's like, all right, let's go. Let's get this started and, and let's get to the regular season games that count. Absolutely. And with that being said, Brandon, uh, what did you take away from the Seahawks win over the Chargers? Yeah, 23-15 to 15 win. Russell Wilson looked good once again behind a Seahawks offensive line that is still missing Mikey Potty. But uh, it looks like Ethan Posick's filling in well on that among the, that starting group. So I'm excited about the offensive line. Uh, Tyler Lockett had a great couple of catches, you know, linking up with Russell Wilson. He looks like he's always open way down the field, and, which is <laughs> which is nice and exciting. And then we got to see some excitement from some of the young guys too. You know, John Ursua out there, and then the running game with uh, Chris Carson looking good on his three carries. Rashad Penny was running pretty hard, and then C.J. Procise made it into the game. I know, and actually looked like he could be a productive running back. But there's so many, so much of his injuries in the past that makes me hard. It, it makes it hard for me to accept it yet that they could potentially keep him around on the roster again. Do you think he gets cut? I want him to be packaged with a trade for Jadavion Clowney. We're going to talk about that, too. We're going to talk about that. We'll get to that in a little bit, though. Uh, Also, Brandon, uh, you know, starters got in there. What do you think about the defense? Because, again, the pass rush, that's been a key that we have talked about. Do you feel better about it? I mean, obviously, if you know, judging by your response for J.D.V. on Clowney, maybe not great, but what did you think? No, I don't feel better about it. But one of the things that we've talked about in the past over the years of doing the Seahawkers podcast, talking Seahawks on field goals, not every position group on your team can be amazing, right? Right. And uh, we have an amazing group of linebackers. We saw it in the Chargers, you know, Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, Michael Kendricks all on the field together. The back end looks okay. You know, Shaquille, Shaquille Griffin and Trey Flowers, they look pretty good. You got Bradley McDougal coming back. Tedrick Thompson looks pretty good. So you have a, a, a pretty decent group on the back end. The deficient group is going to be the pass rushers, but they do look like they're a good run-stopping group, which was something that they struggled with last season. So will you accept a you know a group of of guys who are pretty good at stopping the run, and you know once they get inside the red zone, they're allowing field goals uh, field goals versus allowing touchdowns. I'm willing to accept that if they can't necessarily get consistent pressure on the quarterback, but I I do think that they've over over the years been pretty good about getting to the quarterback too. So would a guy like Clowney definitely help 
that pass rush. And we haven't seen Ziggy Anza yet, really, on the field with him in the preseason either. And and he's back at practice. So really, we're probably going to get our best idea of what it's going to be like through those first six games, starting with that home opener against the Bengals. Yeah, I agree with you there. And let's talk about Johnny Ursua. You brought him up earlier. You had some great catches. Where do you feel about him? Because I, I, I don't remember in the game where he had those catches, but I don't imagine he's among the starters right now. He's not among the starters, but he was catching those passes from Geno Smith, the number two. And one of them was, you know, just to start off the second half. Now, uh, Greg Bell talked to Pete Carroll about it today, and it sounded like that uh, Ursua is a, a lock already for the oh, wow. three-man roster. So that was one of the questions of where he would fall out, because being a seventh-round pick, you never really know, and you kind of have your first four guys, because it sounds like David Moore, uh, even though he has a broken arm, he's going to make the final 53, not going to have to go on injured reserve to start the season. And then DK Metcalf's close to coming back. And then you have your two locked-in starters, which are Tyler Lockett and Jerron Brown. Yeah, that's going to say that wide receiver battle was getting interesting. But at the same time, too, are, are you at all concerned about DK Metcalf just being ready? Because we haven't seen him yet. He had that knee surgery in preseason. You, There is some concern. I think once you get to the fifth and sixth guys, which is maybe where you put him in terms of the, the depth chart, although you probably with David Moore being out, that's it's going to be interesting who the sixth guy is for the Seahawks because you have uh, Gary Jennings, who was their fourth-round pick, another rookie. The concern about the wide receiver group is the there's no real veterans apart from Tyler Lockett and Jerron Brown. And with David Moore being hurt, you're relying on DK Metcalf staff stepping up or Sua stepping up or, you know, maybe Gary Jennings, if he's the one that, that makes the sixth spot. Or you know, are you going to have to go seven and, and keep around a veteran like Malik Turner, who is really right on the border too? Malik Turner, Keenan Reynolds, another guy who is, you know, one of those veterans that's on the bubble. My featured guest is Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers podcast. He's joining us here as we're getting ready to talk about the final preseason game. We'll also talk about that clowny trade rumor as well after this. My featured guest is Brandon Schultz from the Field Goals and Seahawkers podcasts. As we get ready for the regular season, we still have one more game of the preseason. And uh, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, Brandon, I don't know. Have you guys ever been Hard Knocks? No. 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 never been a Hard Knocks team. I, I would enjoy seeing my team on, well, I, I like the All or Nothing series better because you get the entire season as part of that. And it it's more interesting to me than okay. it is the preseason guys. But, you know, honestly, I've never even watched Hard Knocks. Well, I was going to say, you guys are going to be on Hard Knocks tomorrow night because you're taking on the Raiders. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I, well, then, you know what? I may watch my first episode of Hard Knocks. <laughs> I was just, I actually watched the episode last night. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what John Gruden's deal is, but he just loves to say, you know, knock on wood if you're with me. And everyone, you know, knocks on wood. And I, I don't get where it's from. I, I'm not entirely sure. I I think just, I would go pretty tired of yeah, doing this all sure the time. Guys are paying attention, I guess, huh? I, yeah, maybe that is one way to do it. <laughs> Brandon, uh, you know, as we were talking about earlier with this final preseason game, let's take a look ahead to the Raiders here. I think the only question that I think is that, that of real significance that's not diving too deep that I think is for fans is what's going to happen with that second quarterback battle, or do you think Geno Smith's the guy after his performance against the Chargers? I do think Geno Smith has locked it up. It's going to be – I'm curious to see how Paxton Lynch fares in this final spot. I'm not even that sure that Geno Smith is the guy. You know, could they look? I look watching that game against the Chargers. The thing that stood out to me is the guy. You know, they have uh, Tyrod Taylor, 
behind uh, in the number two spot. And then uh, their third string quarterback, he was in there for a couple snaps. I can't remember his name, but he looked good. Easton Stick. Yeah, well, Easton Stick was the fourth stringer. Oh, wow. So we're going four deep. There was a guy in between those two that, that looked okay, too. And I think, shoot, any of those three, it looked better than I feel like what we have. But Juno Smith did fine against the Chargers. And I do think he's kind of the safe bet for a veteran backup behind Russell Wilson. And Paxton Lynch, to me, it's just, I, you know, they're not going to be able to keep him around on practice squad or anything. I just don't think that... He, I just don't see him as really a viable backup option where I think Geno Smith could come in and kind of fill in in a pinch. Well, I was going to say, too, I think Geno Smith has got more of a Russell Wilson-type style anyway yeah, uh, to he, his he ability. Does, he's not the downfield thrower like right. Russell Wilson is, but in terms of composure and and pocket presence, I do feel like Geno Smith is more that guy. What else are you watching for tomorrow night against the Raiders? I'm I'm curious where the the linebacker spots are going to fill out. Um, some defensive linemen. There's a lot of questions there about kind of around the edges. You know, Barkevius Mingo is he going to be able to do enough to stay on the team as a potential pass rusher? Uh, I I feel like though a lot of those spots on offensive line, you know, running back could be a question. If CJ Procise, I, I want to see him get out there and and do back to back games because I think it could come down to him and J.D. McKissick as to who gets the final running back spot. And really, when I'm what I'm looking at when I watch this, it's not so much of trying to see what the players prove to me, but trying to see where the snap counts go as to trying to, to get a feel around uh, what the coaches are thinking, because they obviously have a, a much better idea of who's going to need to be evaluated in this final game. Mm-hmm. So I think the snap counts really do kind of give us a clue of who they're really Really trying to compare those last few spots against. My featured guest is Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers podcast and the Field Goals podcast. Brandon, let's talk about that uh, clowny rumor right now. I mean, I was reading an article from Greg Bell. It doesn't seem feasible just because of the, the cap number. Obviously, first, Javon Clowney's got to sign his tender. That's a lot of money. Uh, at the same time, what do you give Houston without parting with, I don't know, do they have the first-round pick? I can't remember which ones they don't and do have. <laughs> well, the Seahawks actually have quite a few picks coming up in the 2020 draft. They were able to get, or they, they're going to have their first-rounder. And then in the Frank Clark trade, they got a second-rounder as well. So they'll have their own second-rounder, and then they'll have the Chiefs second rounder so with the rumor kind of being around the idea that the Chiefs could take a second round pick and they're interested in running backs they're interested in offensive line and I think they're and wide receiver potentially and I think that's where the Seahawks could maybe come in with a guy like CJ Procise who you know all he has to do is be able to stay healthy <laughs> you actually buy that because I'm did they, did they know the injury history they do know the injury history but they may be willing to take a chance I, I'm, I'm saying there there's a chance there don't ruin this for me uh, a guy like George Fant he might be a guy that they might be willing to play at one of the tackle positions and you know he's kind of I I think he's playing on a restricted uh, tender for this year. So um, that's that's a spot where they could maybe look to trade a player, the guy who could maybe uh, compete for a spot on the the starting offensive line for the Texans because they need some help there too. And if really if they're looking for draft picks, I think that's where the Seahawks can. I'd be okay with even giving up a first-round pick for him, honestly, because even if it is for a one-year rental, think about how they traded the the Frank Clark uh, franchise tag. Clowney's franchise tag is actually smaller 
because he plays a position of linebacker, even though it's a pass rushing defensive end of what he'd play for in the Seahawks system. I think that's part of the reason why he wants out. If he's going to be franchise tagged again, he wants to be a 4-3 defensive end under the franchise tag because that means a, a, a larger amount of money than the franchise tag as a linebacker. So if he goes to, so I think that's what kind of helps out the Seahawks in that regard, in terms of the the cap numbers, the the Seahawks have twenty million dollars in cap space. They'd be able to carry Jadavion Clowney if they if they're if they cut a guy like Barkevius Mingo, that frees up uh, some additional cap space too. And they can't sign him to a long term deal until after the season anyway, based on where he's at with his uh, franchise tag. That's going to be interesting because you guys still have to sign. Was it Reed next year? Still have to sign Reed, but actually they have uh, going into the next season, they're going to have $60 million in cap space. So it is kind of surprising when you think about the fact that they have Russell Wilson under contract, they have Bobby Wagner under contract for multiple years, Tyler Lockett's under contract, and still at the end of the season, they're going to have $60 million in cap space. If you guys are able to make a trade... How much of an impact, where, where does that clowny pass rusher now put you? Does the, do you think that puts you, I mean, I, I know you already think the Seahawks are a Super Bowl <laughs> contender, but in that conversation with everybody else, because now you have the pass rusher, you have all the pieces. You do. There are injury questions, though, with a guy like Ziggy Anza. You know, he hasn't been able to practice this whole uh, preseason. Uh, you do have Jaron Reed sitting out for those first six games on suspension. So there's still going to be some questions about how well they can do on the interior. I don't it really you just with Clowney coming in, it would answer that question of who is going to be Frank Clark and not counting on Ziggy Anza to be that spot. And he, he could be more of a rotational type player. Uh, I know somebody asked about how many snaps a guy like Anza might get, you know, considering the fact that, you know, it's more than 30 snaps on average per game is usually what gets him into injury type issues. And you kind of need that full-time guy. So it would, it, it would mostly just be, making me feel better <laughs> Fair about, about what they have and and knowing that the type of run-stopping defensive end type player the Clowney is, it's going to shore up that running, running game even more. And come to, when you think about it, a front seven where you have Ziggy Anza, you have Puna Ford who looks like he's going to be the starting guy up the middle. You have Jaron Reed once he comes back from suspension, you know, and then Clowney on the other end, and you pair that with the three linebackers of K.J. Wright, Bobby Wagner, Michael Kendricks. It's starting to look like a pretty good front seven. Uh, sounds like a Super Bowl <laughs> contending front seven to me. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how it all plays out. Uh, Brandon, something else I want to get your thoughts on here is we've got a few more minutes. Andrew Luck retiring. Russell Wilson was in that draft class. I mean, arguably, you could already make a case that Russell Wilson was better than Andrew Luck in the fact that he already had two Super Bowl or he's already been to two Super Bowls, won one. So, for you, now that Andrew Luck is retiring, does Russell Wilson become the best quarterback? of that draft class now for sure. Well, I mean, in our mind, we've been kind of banging the table of Russell Wilson being better than Andrew Luck for for years now mm-hmm. uh, because he was able to go out right away and lead his team and has the comeback victories. Now, the downside is now that Andrew Luck versus Russell Wilson, we only got to see him play one time. And it was in that 2013 season and the Seahawks went to Indy and it was a loss 
to the Colts. So Russell Wilson finishes career 0-1 against Andrew Luck, which which is the bummer. But uh, And it's a bummer for Andrew Luck not being able to see a talented quarterback, even though he wasn't as good as Russell Wilson. But he, you, you couldn't deny that he had talent at that spot. It was just really the health issues that kept him off the field. And one of the things that I was surprised to go back and look is when the Colts uh, when they got rid of Peyton Manning and, you know, had the whole suck for luck season. And now when you compare their two careers, just Peyton Manning post Colts career and uh, the, and Andrew Luck's career, they've played in the same amount of playoff games. Wow. And eight playoff games apiece. The difference is, is that Manning won a Super Bowl and went to another Super Bowl with the Broncos. Mm-hmm. And really, what do the Colts have to show for it now? And I think, as a fan, that would make me a little bit bitter. I think they may have a just a deflated football. They might still have that. They <laughs> yeah, might still have they, that in the locker room. Yeah, they, they might still. <laughs> Brandon Schultz joining me here on the uh, Knock On Sports as we've been talking about Andrew Luck's situation. Let's talk about the fans for a second. I want to get your take on that as well because you and I are both big fans. Sure. Uh, I don't know if I'd boo, but at the same time, I do get where the Colts fans were upset, and I think they rightfully can be upset. Yeah, and how many of them were booing? I feel like it was blown out of proportion a little bit, but... That's not the way that you want to find out that your season is over as a fan, right? In the middle of a third preseason game where you as a fan are thinking, here we go. This is we're, we're about done with the preseason. We go into the regular season. Andrew Luck gets healthy. We have a, a competent defense. We're filling in pieces on the offensive line. We picked up some, some nice pieces in free agency to, to help this team go forward. And then to find out in the middle of a game that your quarterback is done before he's 30 years old. I mean, I would be really surprised if Russell Wilson all of a sudden decided that he was done. Now he hasn't had the injury issues that Andrew Luck has had to deal with. So there is some consideration there. But as a fan, you don't have a lot of options when you're in the stands. You can cheer. Nobody was going to cheer when they found out that Andrew Luck was done for his career. You might give a polite golf clap. But again, that or doing nothing, I, I feel like you're going to have a little bit of anger about it or a little bit of just being caught off guard. And there's not a lot of nuance that you can bring from your seat to voice your displeasure with any certain thing. So that's why people boo. And was it the right thing in hindsight for some of them? Would you ask if you ask someone, would they do it again? Probably not. But in the moment and and feeling that moment finding out the way they did, I can understand it. My feature guest, Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers and Field Goals podcast. Brandon, if they want to follow you and check out the latest episodes, how can they do it? Yeah, check out fieldgoals.com. And uh, if you're a sports fan for any team, you can go to SB Nation and we got podcasts for every NFL team. And then we will have a new episode of the Seahawkers podcast out tomorrow. And Adam and I will even get more into the Andrew Luck conversation as well as talk about the Seahawks and our expectations going into the final preseason game. Brandon, always a pleasure to have you on the show, my man. Looking forward to chatting with you next week as we start finally the NFL regular season. Preseason is over.